Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Movie Brats Podcast. I am Carter and joining me today as always is Jonathan. How are you doing, Jonathan? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great because today we are going to discuss Suspiria, which just opened nationwide this past weekend. It is a remake of the 1977 Dario Argento movie directed by Luca Guadagnino, who's best known for doing Call Me By Your Name last year. And it is one of the most divisive movies to have opened up so far this year. Some people love it. Some people absolutely hate it. What were your initial thoughts about it, Jonathan? Well, I think it's interesting that in an interview I heard Guadagnino and Tilda Swinton talking about the film not so much as a remake but a cover because the director and Swinton had been talking about doing this film for about 25 years and the director almost was more influenced when he was a child from just looking at the poster before he had even seen the film. So don't go into this expecting it to be a shot-by-shot remake or just following the same beats as the original. You see some of the same narrative and there are some similarities, but this is its own beast. And I have to admit... After one viewing, I don't fully know what to think of the film. It's one that I know that I like it, but to what degree I like it, I'll have to consider it more. And I do want to see it a second time because it's one of those films that is so visceral and such an onslaught. The film attacks you and it's over two and a half hours. And I want to go see the film knowing what happens so I can sit back and take it in a little bit more and try to get the nuances. But there's many incredible aspects of it. I mean, it's beautifully shot. It has a very different color palette and tone from the original film. The original is very colorful and vibrant, and this film's very drab, a lot of grays and blacks. And it has a lot of imagery that is somewhat similar to the original, but the original is much more kind of operatic and over-the-top And Dario Argento has this amazing quality of making murder scenes, death scenes, really beautiful. And even though they're graphic and horrible, they have this this beauty and poetry to them. And the remake is much more disturbing and genuinely unnerving. And it's not as fun as the original, even though the original is, you know, a, a scary a violent horror film the the remake definitely has a different tone and i think it's more serious i don't know how serious argento's films ever are i think he's having fun with them but i think suspiria at least is trying to be more serious um but i you you go on and say something about it i'm, I'm i have a lot of things to say about it but what what are you sure uh, first reaction well to the it? you know the first thing to notice about it is the difference in the color palette cuz the first movie from 1977 is like neon it just like assaults your senses with how bright the colors are and just there's like this like extraordinary lights in every scene even when like two women are just like sitting on their bed there's just like this ridiculous like pink hue around them that like lights up the whole thing and this one it it almost seems like a reaction to the other one in that it's like all grays and neutral colors and earth tones and just I, you, apparently there are no primary colors in the whole movie which I wouldn't like fact checking that while I was watching it but I would totally believe it um, and it's just I don't know. It's so, it's just so like gritty is like a good way to describe it. It's so visceral and it did really it, makes did it use rem- of. 
Did it remind you to? Did it mind remind you to some degree of "Don't Look Now"? That's a film that kind of popped into my mind while watching it. Yeah, for sure. Uh "Don't Look Now" makes such like an use of like red and stuff like that that that's a big difference in it. But just like the being in a foreign city, because like the main character played by Dakota Johnson is from Ohio, so like the Berlin of 1977 is like such a foreign thing to her, and everything that's happening there is just so unusual and it's so different and she like makes like a point during the movie saying like i can't believe i'm here i don't even really feel like i'm here yet that was pretty similar to how venice is portrayed in don't look now with the two uh british and or american whatever played by donald sutherland and julie christie who are like in this foreign place and everything doesn't make any sense and everything is so claustrophobic i get that a little bit but uh but yeah the color palette of this one in the setting the setting was so emphasized, the fact that it was in Berlin in 1977, and it seemed like the whole movie took place over like a week. It was like the uh, like negotiations about the uh, the stolen Lufthansa flight, which was such a like global event as it occurred back then. We keep getting like radio updates about it. So the time span, it was so condensed that it felt like, I don't know, it just felt like unnatural how quickly everything was moving because dakota johnson's character like gets there and all of a sudden she's like the lead dancer in the troupe and then (laughs) just madness happens at the end of it and we're constantly reminded with like news postings about this lufthansa flight that just like uh sort of grounds us in reality in a very specific time and place and uh, it's just so weird in contrast with it it reminded me in some ways of some of Michael Hanukkah's films where there'll be this news footage interspersed throughout it where you have this very specific story about a family or a group of characters, but then it inter- it puts in these elements of news or the media. Kind of reminded me of Michael Hanukkah, that little bit of it. But I think one of the things that makes the film as effective as it is is that the performances are really grounded and sincere and even though the film gets so over the top and it's so stylish and something you know it is gritty and grounded but it also is very stylish the Mm -hmm. cinematography i think the performances are very sincere and they make the film work uh better than if the actors weren't as good i think dakota johnson it's maybe the best thing i've seen her in i mean I, I mean, she is good in the previous film she did with Guadagnino, A Bigger Splash, which also has Tilda Swinton. But, I mean, compared to Fifty Shades of Grey, this is a step up. Not that she was – I mean, she actually was one of the best things about Fifty Shades of Grey, but that's such a bad film. Uh, she elevated the material as best she could. But I think she's really good in Suspiria. And, of course, Tilda Swinton, the alien goddess, the greatest <laughs> thing that's walking the earth, she plays multiple characters. I, I don't think I should give a away all of who she plays but she plays more than one character and she's just i know she's she's a goddess i mean she can do no wrong she can play anyone she can do anything and she's tremendous in the film as she always is i mean i don't think i've ever seen her be bad in a film and i also think that you have people like mia goth and uh Chloe Grace Moretz has a very small role in the film, but the cast has the quality of there's, you know, it's about a coven of witches. It's about this ballet company and it has this uncanny feeling where there's some characters you don't really know, but there's just something about some of the faces that's so haunting and striking. You don't really even see some of them speak, but you'll just see people standing in the corner and that's very uh, unnerving and haunting. 
Yeah, there's this one woman who we constantly get these like close ups of her, but she doesn't say a word the whole time. And then all she'll of a sudden, like, no, a different her. one who's like wearing the glasses and she doesn't literally doesn't say anything. But like an hour and a half into it, she just stabs herself in the neck at a kitchen table and like bleeds out and dies. And I was just yeah. like, what the She's... fuck was that? <laughs> yeah, she looks like Edna Moore. Oh, she that's the, the one. I thought you were talking about the one with like the black hair. That's sort of like the second witch. Uh, no, the, I mean, she has that like uh, Mo Howard bowl cut with the thick glasses, like Edna yeah. Mole, yeah. the one that oh stabs herself. But no, but yeah, there, there, there's just, it's one of those horror films where some of the most disturbing aspects of it are just weird little things that you can't even explain after first viewing. There's also, I love the subliminal images put in it's like an sometimes it's supposed to be like a nightmare sequence you have people wearing like eyes wide shut masks or yeah. you have images of glass breaking and it's just like whoa what was that that oh, shot wait, of whoa. the glass breaking i thought was like unbelievable that was like so stirring and it was in the middle of one of those nightmare sequences those were definitely the most stylized sort of sequences in the movie and i don't know there was just like so much to take at the time i was watching it i was like totally blown away by it I wonder if someone who hasn't seen the film that's listening to this, if it sounds like, oh, and then there's this thing, and, and then there's that thing, because it sounds very over the place. Well, I do think maybe, I don't know if this is a criticism of the film, but I've seen people say that one of the faults of the film is that it's too long, and that there's too many subplots, and that I'm, they're not sure how everything ties together, but... I don't want to criticize the film yet because I've only seen it once. Uh, I think I can rewatch it and, you know, I could say, okay, it doesn't come together, but it's, there's so many aspects to the film. There's so many things going on that I feel like I haven't fully grasped it after one viewing, but it definitely has a powerful quality to it after just one viewing that it stays with you. Yeah. I can understand the gripe about the too many subplots. Like, I don't think it's this was a big internet secret for a long time, but t uh, Tilda Swinton plays like an old German doctor in the movie who they had this illusion that it was actually a real German psychoanalyst who was essentially playing himself in the movie. But he ends up being in like, I wouldn't say half of the movie, but like a good deal of it. And a good portion of it sort of is concerned with his wife who died in the Holocaust. And in the epilogue, it, like, returns to him, and there's, like, an emotional scene between him and uh, Dakota Johnson about, sort of, her fate. And I, I don't know. I didn't really understand its relevance at all. Which And we should point out that the wife is played by Jessica Harper, who's the star of the original film. That yes, was cool exactly. seeing her It was up. really cool to see her in that. But, yeah, I can understand that criticism of it. But it's not enough for me to, like, say this wasn't, like a good movie or that it wasn't worth being in it because i don't know who am i to say luca guadagnino should or sorry luca guadagnino should have like cut that part of it because you know it's his movie and i don't know i don't like it when critics will just totally like trash something and say it wasn't worth making because it was a little bit too long and that there was some unnecessary threads that in it but i do totally see the complaint that it feels totally unnecessary to the rest of the movie I, I love Leonard Malton, but there's a number of films in his movie guidebook that he says that it's fatally overlong, and he gives one of my top ten films of all time, being there two and a half out of four stars, because it's like two hours and 15 minutes, and to me that's insane. You know, that film is not too long. It's perfect. I, no, it, it's I totally near agree with that. And yeah. it's I you couldn't say that this 
like the two and a half hours whizzes by like it's not like goodfellas or something like that like it moves at a pretty glacial pace but i was never like waiting for the end of the movie while i was watching it just because i was so gripped by what was happening and i just had no idea what was going to happen next and just the style of it i found so captivating there's lots of like weird like zoom zens and stuff like that and like the camera just sort of like i don't know it was a very unique sort of style to the camera work that just like totally mesmerized me in it i think that it's a film that really needs to be seen on the big screen with an audience i feel like we say that about every single film we talk about (laughs) like but i mean i don't think you necessarily have to run out and go see every film in theaters but this is a cinematic experience and i do think that it's definitely not going to be everyone's cup of tea. I don't think you really have to have seen the original to see this new one, but no, I would I, don't I always so recommend. But I do think that it's a film that if you're if you know about it or if you see the trailer, if you read about it and you go, "Oh, this seems like something I'd want to see." You will want to see it. If it seems like something you would not want to see, you probably don't want to see this because it's I mean, it is pretty violent, but it's not um it's kind of like people have compared it to last year's film Mother, where you know there's you know it's a two over two and a half hour film. There you know long stretches where there is no violence, but when it comes, it's pretty. Um, I don't know what type of violence I would say. How would you describe the violence? Um, it's definitely graphic, and it's not like cartoonish to the point that it doesn't seem real. But it there is definitely an over the top element to it. Um, um, I actually think that um, one of the the well, I always hate CGI, and the, towards the end, there's parts where people are like exploding into giant bursts of blood, and I I, I go oh, CGI. That always just irritates me. But um, there are, I think, some of the scenes, uh, like we said, the subliminal imagery. Some of that seems very real and uh-huh. seems like you know practical effects, or at least it it you know it's not you know, obviously CGI and those, those are some of the creepiest things. And uh, I do think that it's a film that you have to, it is a slow burn to a certain degree, but the ending definitely packs a punch and it's one where you get to it and you're like, and all I was going to say too, I think actually some of the most disturbing things in the film are the dance scenes where you feel like they could break their foot any moment or that something is going to happen. There's just this tension, just the human body, the, the you know it's like she jumps in the air and she's landing on the ground there's that thud and i was like she's gonna like break her you know something bad is gonna happen bones gonna pop out i just that was actually some of the just dance scenes where just the physicality of it and the thrusting and the, the it's like orgasmic especially in the final sections of the film that was actually some of the most disturbing when it wasn't actually violent but just this the showing how the human body it's like animalistic and how the power that they have as dancers yeah the dance scenes like i was going into it wondering how much they were actually going to like show ballet or like the process of creating like a ballet sort of i guess movement but it was like it was pretty in-depth showing like the practice and stuff like that which i found very interesting because like I mean, there are sort of sections that, uh, have you seen the red shoes? Yes. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Where like, you know, where she's doing the spin and she sees Lermontov sort of sitting in the, uh, in the audience and she's doing her spin and she just like keeps looking at him. Uh, Dakota Johnson in her sort of audition scene, uh, earlier in the movie, there was like a shot of her 
looking at Tilda Swinton that reminded me of that where like all of a sudden she appears and while she's spinning she just like appears in her vision and then like she's gone which I thought was really cool but like uh I, I guess saw, I, there's also sort of uh, uh elements of like makes you think of Black Swan just because it's like a dark ballet movie um <laughs> I saw someone I saw I saw someone say something like it's like step up the fucking or something. Like that. <laughs> I could see that, yeah. <laughs> well, I it, it would make a really interesting companion piece. I'm really excited for Gaspar Noé's new film uh, about it's um called oh what's his new film called? Um oh my I can't for, That's I can't not believe the Vox Lux one, right? No, no. What's the new Gaspar Noé film? Uh, it's got a climax. It's okay. gotten really good reviews. They say that is like Solo meets Step Up, <laughs> which, and uh, you know, they're both these kind of horror films uh-huh. uh, that involve dance. And yeah, I mean, I you could also crit- criticize the film as being a little bit pretentious, but I don't know. It doesn't. I I kind of went along with it. I, yeah. I, I, didn't. I I mean, all the criticisms of it that I saw, like. As I mentioned before, it was like a lot of the plot threads didn't seem really to tie together. And like you said, it could be seen as pretentious or since it's a remake, like it didn't even really need to exist because the first one is out there. But when I was watching, I was just like along for the ride and I like didn't really care that some of it didn't make sense or that it was lasting probably longer than it should have. like it was just an experience and that's really what you look for when you go see something in the movie you look for an experience that's different than what you'd find just you know sitting on your couch watching something on tv or reading a book or any uh, consuming any other form of art like this was a very particular singular cinematic experience which when i come across those you have to really like appreciate it so i don't know reading the reviews when i got home i just felt like these people i don't know it's like criticism that obviously it's valid in its own way. Like it is too long and some of it doesn't make sense, but you're just not appreciating what's in front of you and just enjoying it for what it is, which just annoys me when people take that approach to criticism. I do think the film is more, has a reason to exist more than the new Halloween and it's better. Yeah. <laughs> do you agree with that? It's a better remake uh, sequel. Well, I mean, it that, definitely that takes a, a more original approach because the Halloween sequels pretty much just retreads all the same beats with slight sort of inversions or, uh, you know, like they switch the places that Laurie is the one pursuing Michael in the house at the end of it instead of the other way around and stuff like that. And this one, well, it's that movie is crowd pleasing and is supposed to be rousing. This film is like, yeah, we're going to make a two and a half hour plus art house remake of a film that very few people have seen unless they're, you know, geek film geeks like us. Yeah. And it's it's a slow burn and it's disturbing. There's like, you know, full frontal nudity and graphic violence. And there's stuff about, you know, the political turmoil at the time. There's like even vague references to, you know, World War II and the Holocaust, which I yeah, think I've also read people's... Yeah, that was like totally unexpected. The like German guilt after World War II was like a very forward theme in the movie, which... Uh, I read someone, I can't remember who it was, but they said that Luca Guadagnino was probably the only person who watched Dario Argento's Suspiria, and the most interesting thing to him was the setting. <laughs> and I sort of agree with that, because like, he like put so much focus onto Germany 1977 and what's happening in like, the political unrest with the, what is it, Bader-Meinhof group, and, uh, you know, like I mentioned before, the sort of... Uh, 
what's the German word for it that I love so much? Uh, for what? Uh, for the German guilt about World War II. It's like the, oh, I, yeah, I know it. It's I know like the longest mean. word you could possibly think of. Yeah, for Gangensheits Bewältigung. Yeah, that is one word. It's like twenty five characters. <laughs> yeah, but like it was really like I don't know. It was very present in the movie and. That's something that just wasn't touched on whatsoever in the Suspiria from 1977. Like, it was not a concern of the movie. Uh, so it no, was very surprising to me just how in-your-face the Germany of 1977 was in the movie. I, I don't really understand, in general, why people find films scary. Like, I don't understand how people think Argento's films are scary. They're like, I don't want to say silly, but they're so over-the-top and stylized that I, I i don't understand an adult being scared by the original suspiria even though i've heard many people say it was one of the most terrifying films they've seen and i don't think i've said many many times that it's not a criticism to me to say that a film you know, it doesn't scare me that's not a bad thing because films there have been like seven that have ever scared me but i don't you know i think this film is more disturbing and unsettling than scary I don't even know what the word scary means exactly. Like I, it, it's like, does it mean after the movie's over, it still stays with you? And I mean, the film did stay with me, but I didn't have trouble sleeping. I haven't I been scared by a movie. Scary since I'm like is like when, like the next day, you're just like walking, like it's in your head that something awful might happen to you because of the movie you just watched. Like an example for me is like when I saw Zodiac for the first time. It must have been like 2008. I was like going for a hike in the woods the next day and I was just like thinking about a serial killer <laughs> coming in the next corner and just like killing me on the spot. So that like scared me like at a very deep level, but I don't know. Well, I, yeah, I think I, I think a lot of films that are the scariest, quote unquote, are not actually horror films or kind of tangentially horror films. Like, I, I guess I would call Eraserhead a horror film, but that is one that really stayed with me and haunted me. And I mean, movies like Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, jump and, scares don't stick with you. Like, yeah, it's cat. It's like Mark Kermode has said about a lot of the Conjuring films. It's cattle prod cinema. It's just yeah. a little kid can come up behind you and go boo, and you might get startled, but it's for three seconds. Yeah. And it, there's it's cheap scares. I yeah. mean, there are you know like even in something like Jaws, there's you know a good jump scare, but that's not the whole film. It's like there's a few of them. They 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 can be fun to play with, but when a film just relies on that. That's cheap. And the remake of Suspiria is definitely not one that's about cheap scares. It's more about this enveloping dread and this mood, the atmosphere it sets. I think that's one of the strongest aspects of the film is the way Guadagnino and his actors just – it has this dread throughout the film. It's it's kind of like when you were talking a few weeks ago about The Shining. Yeah. It, just, it kind of just pulls you in and you get deeper and deeper and it's like you're being pulled into the hotel – and The Shining, and this one you're getting pulled into the Academy more, and it's like claustrophobic, and it's just uncomfortable. But that's what it's, you know, it, that's not everyone's idea of a good time at the movies, but if you're <laughs> in for it, it's very effective. Yeah, and it's just an experience. Like, it may not be pleasurable the whole time, but it's different, and it's something that you're not going to get anywhere else, which well, I just have of, to give a lot of credit to the filmmakers for doing something like that. 
one of my friends, I showed him a racer head at home and I turned all the lights off and I cranked up the sound on the sound system really loud. And after it was over, I told him, don't say anything about the film. Just go home, sleep. We'll talk about it the next day. And so he did. And and the next day he said, that was one of the most unpleasant movie experiences I've ever had. But I thought the film was incredible. Yeah. You know, that's the, some films are like that. They're not fun at all, but they're really, they stay with you. And you know, that's, the point, I mean, you know, he didn't make Suspiria to have a jolly time, you know, to have a quote unquote fun time. But if you're in the mood for that kind of experience, it's definitely worth seeing on the big screen. And I wouldn't call it unpleasant. It's definitely not joyous or happy or like an exuberant movie. But I just found the style of it. And like I was saying, the like camera movements and stuff like that to just be so uh, cool is a pretty cheap word to use, but just interesting is also a pretty cheap word to use because it doesn't really mean anything. But it just—I found it so I don't know, just visually stimulating that I, I wasn't unpleasant to watch. It is basically just how I'll say it: that just the style of the movie I found to be beautiful isn't exactly the word for it because the movie is not meant to be beautiful. It's all its drab colors and stuff like that, but it's very visually interesting. And I think it'd be a little unfair to say the experience is unpleasant. Um, it's just so different that it's hard. It's to heightened. Yeah, it's, it's heightened. heightened. Yeah. And well, and I, I always like to point out, stay through the end credits. It's not much, <laughs> but I, you should. I, I always stay through the end credits of a film, but there's, you know, it's, it is, I think, two hours and thirty-two minutes. That what it says on IMDb. Yeah. But uh, it's, you know, stay through the end credits. Honestly, it didn't feel like that when I was watching it. It felt like two hours, like a good solid two hours. It's sort of surprising to hear you just say it was two hours and a half because I was thinking maybe two hours and 15 minutes at most. But Well, know. it's it's like Ebert said one time, uh, a good film is never, you know, too short and a bad film is, you know, well, you know what I'm saying, the, yeah. that a good film, you know, it can be three hours and it can be amazing and you can yeah. have an 85-minute movie and it's terrible yeah. and it feels like it's forever. <laughs> I mean, I think like Goodfellas is like two hours and twenty four minutes or something yeah. like that. It, it feels like it's by. like ninety minutes, honestly. Yeah, and then there's films that are, you know, like some of the movie movie spoofs that are like without yeah. the end credits. They're like seventy two minutes, and yeah, they're like, like barely a movie. <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, so let's recommend that like we don't need to you know give away too much about the film anymore uh we should tell people they should go see it watch the original first i think everybody should go see it even if i think everybody should go see it just because see something different outside of your comfort zone and this is like like jonathan mentioned earlier earlier mother i think is a much more full-on not disturbing but like like movie movie kind of person experience than this is i think it's much more in your face intense than uh than uh suspiria is and this is i'm gonna say this for a lot of the movies that are sort of coming out on the streaming services and like amazon and stuff like this but this is a very weird movie to be coming out on amazon like i can't imagine somebody sitting in their house and just starting this movie on amazon and watching it the whole way through well, it's one of those movies that basically it probably wouldn't get made if it weren't for streaming services. Like you had Okja, which yeah. had Tilda Swinton, and the director said, yeah, basically this is one never going to get made if it weren't for Netflix. They were like, here's a big sack of money. Make the movie. You can do whatever you want. And yeah. that's what 
that's the good aspect of the streaming services like Amazon and Netflix is that they give directors creative freedom to do what they want to do because the big studios don't want to do that. They want to, you know, hire a director and give them Spider-Man seven and then yeah. tell them what to do. Well, they want to make a movie for like 200 million and gross a billion, or they want to make a movie for like 5 million and gross 50 million. But I'm actually really happy that this film has done really well at the box office in select theaters so we'll see how it does nationwide has that like sort of come out yet well it's been well it's it's in i don't know how many theaters it's in right now but it's going to expand even more probably this weekend okay yeah but i just couldn't imagine watching this for the first time on my couch like i just could not imagine it i think i would like stop it halfway through well, I, well, I, I, I was, I can't remember who I was even listening to, but they were saying that there are people that their system at home is better than some of the movie theaters. Like I've been to art houses before, like the IFC Center in New York, like one of their screens. No, there's like two or three of them that are like uh-huh. these tiny, tiny screens, and like people have projection systems at home. So actually, it is better to watch a film at home sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I would rather watch something, you know, in the comfort of my home. I, well, I, no, that's not true. I still love seeing a movie in a theater, but I feel really ripped off when you go to a movie and you pay $18 and it's this tiny, tiny screen. I so. agree with that. But just the problem with this one would be at the glacial pace it moves that I would definitely check my phone or something like that. And that would just well, that's take... Cause you're a, that should be, it's because you're a bad millennial. I always <laughs> yeah, it is. silent. I always but it would totally ruin the effect of the movie if you were to do that. Um, yeah. It's like the movie, I saw the movie, uh, Chantal Ackerman's Jean Dielman, which is this three-hour and 20-minute movie where a woman does house chores over three days. I saw it at the Museum of Modern Art, and that's the way to see it, because yeah. you have to sit there and watch the whole film in one sitting and take it. That's the point of the film. Like To me, if you look at your phone one time during the film, you've completely missed the point. Like There's some films you have to sit with it, and Suspiria is not like that arty and difficult to deal with but it's one that like i was saying before we started recording the other side of the wind the new orson welles film that's one you really need to see in one sitting with all the lights and phones off and because it's a challenging movie roaming camera and it's very quickly edited and it's a difficult film but it's one that is worth it's rewarding but you have to give yourself over to it yeah and just before we go i have to make a mention of the score of the movie, which was done by Tom York of Radiohead, which I just found to be incredible, and just married the mood and it's like the hypnotic quality of the camera work and everything. It just fit it so perfectly. And those, I think, this was the first movie Tom York has scored. I know that another member of Radiohead, Johnny Greenwood, has been doing a lot of a Paul lot of Thomas Paul Thomas Anderson. Anderson's movies. Yeah, he did. Uh, there will be blood and he did phantom thread most recently but <laughs> there were a couple songs even tom york sang on which is sort of unusual for like a film score but it just fit the mood so perfectly that it was an inspired choice to have him do it i just thought it was incredible and it's even like a soundtrack you can listen to uh <laughs> like walking around it'll put you in a mood but like it's good enough like the songs are good enough that you can listen to them separately from the movie which i thought was really really cool so there's much to talk about, and I think it's a film people should go see and then discuss with their friends because it's definitely a, 
you know, it's it's not one you go and after you get to the parking lot, you're like, yeah, okay, I saw that. That's yeah. done with. It's like it sticks with you and it's something you want to discuss. Yeah, it totally is. And I love it when movies like that are made in that studios have the bravery to allow something like this to get made. And yeah, I loved it. I would give it, I don't know, eight or nine out of ten. I thought it was incredible. I thought it was really incredible. I think it's ridiculous that people are giving it like zeros and stuff like that on Metacritic. I just think that's crazy. I understand that. I mean, I don't agree with it, but like this is, you know, when you said everyone should go see this, I don't think everyone should go see it. (laughs) I think everyone should see it. (laughs) I I think like 75% of the population should not see this film. Well, let me put it this way. 75% of the population is not going to like the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might not like it if you go see it, but I think I think as much as many people as possible should experience this because I think it's worth seeing. I mean, do you think the average viewer that wants to see a Medea's family funeral or whatever it's called or wants to see, you know, Venom that they're going to want to see this? No, 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 they won't. But I think it'd be good for them to be exposed to it. Is what I'm. Well, saying. I always- Oh, I was always had this fantasy of the people that went to see the Twilight films, like locking the theater and forcing them to watch some of the later day uh, Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson films like Cosmopolis, which <laughs> yeah. is just so uh, difficult, you know, but like some clouds of Sils Maria. Well, I mean, well, I can't wait to see the uh, film High Life, which is another one that's caused a lot of divisive reaction. The Claire Denis film that stars Robert Pattinson. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I just like the idea of. You know, I do have this perverse pleasure in having an audience be tortured in a film or, you know, I have to, you know, I, you know, it's like the they just announced that the house that Jack built is only going to be screening one night in the U.S. uncut, the director's wow. cut, which I think is also shows how bad cinema has gotten to one, one of our greatest directors. His new film is only going to be shown uncut one day, yeah. one night. And it's randomly on a Wednesday. But, you know, it's. Well, but like we're saying, Suspiria has done really well in limited release, so maybe there is hope that there are still weirdos out there that want to see stuff like this. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I recommend you go see it. I mean, if you're listening to this, you're probably interested in seeing something like that. But yeah, Suspiria 2018 just got released nationwide this last uh, Thursday or Friday. I saw it Halloween night, actually. Okay, so Wednesday. And it'll be expanding... Is it available on Amazon right now? I haven't even checked. No, I don't, I don't think so. Amazon's the one that doesn't release them on streaming until after it's been in theaters for okay, a while at yeah. least. So eventually it'll be for streaming on Amazon. I would not recommend watching it in that format, but if you haven't seen it and it's out of theaters, you might as well watch it. Because, um, like I said, it's definitely worth seeing. But yeah. Uh- I was, this is as well. It has some connection. I just wanted to mention. I saw Dario Argento at a convention in Texas about a year and a half ago, and you know he's like a sweetheart. You know he's like <laughs> seventy-eight year old man, and he's like there was this woman that came up uh, during the photo shoot. I got a picture with him, and the woman said, "Would you pretend to? Sh- will you pretend to choke me?" And he goes, "Oh no, no, no! I can't do that." And <laughs> and and then he went right towards her throat anyway, and like pretended to choke her. And the woman almost I, like she really did almost start crying. And he was like so lovely, but yeah, it's um it's worth seeing the original. But like I said, I think that it's not one that you you. It's not like you're not going to understand or appreciate yeah. the new one if you haven't seen the original. But it's worth seeing anyway because it's a yeah because it's too. a classic. And yeah, and I don't even think of it as being like which one is better. I mean, I've heard some people say they actually think the new one's better, but I to think me, the new it's one's like. Better. 
I, it's just they're so different. They are it's really just, different. They're almost like two different movies just that happen to have the same title in some and basic yeah, plot. Yeah. basic plot elements, yeah. 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 Well, anyway, we'll uh we'll be back next week talking about something. We'll uh what are we going to talk about? Netflix films, there's so much on Netflix these days, but and yeah, the probably Netflix movies, yeah, cuz we got Buster Scruggs coming out in uh about a week and a half. That'll be on Netflix and in select theaters on the 16th so probably discuss some netflix movies sort of in preparation for that but yeah thanks for joining us we'll be back next week (laughs) hope you enjoyed listening to some rambling about suspiria that i hope was at least a little bit enlightening well it's hard to put all your thoughts together after a movie like this but we tried to lay out some of our initial reaction yeah it really is about a scatterbrained of (laughs) them like right when i walked out of it i was just like what the fuck just happened but yeah, thanks for listening, and we will be back next week. In your fashions of fate and baby.